I want to go back and as I continue to meditate um, and it had been a long time since I'd been in the book of Nehemiah and I know many of you have been and, and uh, you know like me uh, it's not just about reading the book it's not just about maybe memorizing a few scriptures it's everything to do with meditating and continuing to bring up and consider it's like like a dog with a bone I just can't let it go and and I'm so grateful to the Lord that I wasn't able to let it go because I think there's so much here, and especially for us now in the times that we uh, we find ourselves in. And I'm looking at what happened then, and I look at what's happening to God's people now, and uh, I see some similarities. And we can gain a lot of knowledge and insight, obviously, in all the books of the Word of God, but specifically here. Um, so in Nehemiah, we know that Nehemiah... The Lord moved upon his heart, and he had it in his heart to go back and to rebuild the walls in, of Jerusalem. He made it back. When he made it back, he was there for a few days, and he just went out one night and started surveying everything, just took a look at the condition and everything. And already the uh, enemies had, uh, it was it was uh, Tobiah, or Sambalat, Tobiah, and other enemies that were already upset about it. They were upset, the Bible says specifically, they were upset because so a man cared about the children of Israel. Imagine that. They were upset because that could because somebody cared about Israel. Um, my brothers and sisters, if that doesn't tell us something uh, about the here and now, or all through history, but specifically here and now, um, more um, there's more prejudice, there's more bias against Israel and Christians now than ever before, globally. And uh, we see it then, we see it now. And there's a specific reason for that, because it all is about the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. So Nehemiah makes it back. He surveys the land, and then he brings the people together after surveying the land. And I want to read to you, beginning in chapter 2, verse 17. Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in? How Jerusalem lies in waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach, that we may no longer be a disgrace. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and I said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will rise and build. But you have no heritage or memorial in Jerusalem. Very much God's hand on the work, very much God in the middle of the work. As you know, I mean, Jerusalem to the Jewish people, to the to the Israelis, where the temple was, it represented yeah, that was God's city. That was the presence of God. And it represented God's city. So when the uh, when the uh, when the enemies ask something about, are you going to rise up against the king? Now they're worried about um, the kingdom of Israel being reestablished, the kingdom of God being reestablished. So a few chapters later, we actually see that this wall actually gets built that the children of Israel do stand together 
They, they put their mind to the work and they do it. In chapter uh, 6, beginning in verse 15, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elu, the 52 days. And it happened when all of our enemies heard of it, and all of the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. They were discouraged, they were disgraced, because not just because it was done, but because they knew that it was done by God. Brothers and sisters, this is not about just um, something sim- that symbolized the kingdom. This wasn't something that, you know, this wall is, is done now, and, and you know, now Israel has a fighting chance. This is more than that. This is the establishment of God's covenant with His people. This is that God will always be true to His covenant. He will never be defeated. His promise will always be yes and amen, period. And so even though that that wall had been become, had, had become a disgrace because the children of Israel sinned, so they were carried off into captivity and it became disrepaired, it was burned down, it was destroyed, but God still remains true to His promise. When you come back, I'll be there. My brothers and sisters, this speaks to the New Jerusalem. This speaks to more than just this, uh, this city, this stronghold. This speaks to the will of God, the promise of God, um, His covenant with us. And He's not a man that He should lie. He's the Son of Man that He'll repent. What He said will be, will be. And this disheartened their, their enemies didn't know what to do but of course there was a lot that happened in between that chapter 2 when he first he Nehemiah first pronounces the work and gets the people to rally around the work and then the, the wall is actually finished in verse 4 let me read to you in verse 4 I'm sorry in chapter 4 verse 1 when this started happening the wall is starting to be built what happens is he actually organized he Nehemiah he organizes he has the families of different sections all around this, this the walled city. There's, it's all down, and he has different families in different areas, and they're all assigned these areas. And then you know people who build the gates, and and they're all doing this uh, simultaneously. So it's all happening together, not just one section. It's all the sections being done simultaneously in cooperation with each other. See, this also speaks to something, brothers and sisters. This is not just about this wall. Again, it's not about a wall. It's not about symbolism. It's not about, you know, a monument. This is about God working in His people. This is about God working through His people. This is about God doing something when His people are in one mind and one accord, what He can accomplish. This is about God's people sticking together not letting anything divide them, being in one mind and one accord, and mighty things that God can do through His people and what He will do and what He has done. Amen? Amen. So hopefully somebody's saying amen besides me. It's an awesome thing. You know, Nehemiah was a great leader because he was able to do this, organize this. Um, and I, I'm weird. Yeah, I know I got an amen for that one. I'm weird. I, I, I think differently, I guess, or I just... Because as I was going through this, even last week, um, I'm meditating on this word, on this whole wall thing being built, and Nehemiah, and the enemies, and so I just happened to be uh, watching, I was flipping through some channels, and I um, I saw 
I guess it was the Discovery Channel, right? And I got this um, documentary part of the way in, and the best I could um, detect is that uh, a polar bear was uh, just came out of hibernation, and he's starving and looking for food, and blah 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 blah. And uh, but comes upon this uh, this island, if you will, of a bunch of walruses. Now, as soon as the walruses detect that there's this this danger. It's, it's, it's crazy because it's almost like they make this wall and they have the young walruses inside the, the wall, but it's almost like a huge mound of walruses. And so this polar bear now is attacking this mound, uh, this wall, if you will, of, of walruses. And so he's clawing, he's trying to get through the hide of the, you know, the further walrus outside. He's at the bottom of the wall of, of this, whole, like this whole city or this whole mound of creatures. But this polar bear is clawing and, and, and gnawing and trying to get through to the hide of this walrus to pull him off the wall. And it's really amazing. He couldn't get, he couldn't get him pulled off. But then I noticed that there's like this next walrus in line is, you know, turns and the tusk hits the, 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 uh, the polar bear with his tusk. And, and, and he's, he's kind of helping the other one to fight him off and all this. It's, it's like us. It's like us. We should be helping each other. There's these, there's these polar bears. There's these, the enemy, the 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 prince and the power of the air is doing everything he can do to break the wall down. The wall, what, what, what? no, the city, God's city, the presence of God, the church of God, the saints of God, everything, everything that we are, everything that we are corporately, everything that we are uh, as individuals, but. But God has meant us to come together and God has, has shown himself. The invisible God shows himself very visible through his people. And not just through his people as individuals, but through his people corporately. The enemy of our soul is seeking to divide us. And when I saw that, I just, I, I just thought of it. This, this, is, this city, is, it's, not, it's the church, it's us, it's us together. I, that probably didn't make sense to you, but it should make sense to me. It happened in, in chapter 4. They started rebuilding the wall. In verse 1 of chapter 4, it so happened when Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What are these Stephen Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside them, and he said, Wherever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break it down. He'll break down their stone wall. So, so, so watch again. I'm looking at this. The concern. Here's the concern. The concern is, they're going to honor God. Is God's kingdom being restored? Is this kingdom of Israel, God's kingdom being restored? Are they going to make sacrifices? Are they going to, is the presence of God going to be? That's, that's what the concern is. That's what the concern is of the enemy of your soul and mine right now. The church has to be divided. You have, families have to be divided. Um, races have to be divided. Um, will we stand together? Will we be strong? Will we, will we stand together, hold tight, so that the presence of God is shown strong in us? so that God himself is visible, the enemy doesn't want that. They're mocked. They're despised. 
while this is happening, Nehemiah hears of this. And Nehemiah hears of this because I'm going to read for you really quick. In chapter 6, this is after the wall is rebuilt. This is what it says in verse 17. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came to them. For many in Judah were pledged to him. Did you hear that? Many in Judah were pledged to the enemy. Because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ara. And his son, Jehonanah, Jehonan, excuse me, had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Also they reported his good deeds before me and reported my words to him. Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. So, so, so I want you to get this. What this is saying is that there were people in Judah, people of Israel, who were actually aligned with the enemy through marriage, through relation. And they were actually keeping both sides informed. So when uh, Sambalot and Tobiah made these comments way back there in chapter 4, Nehemiah knew it because he was being told by the people who were playing both ends. My brothers and sisters, we can't afford that. The problem is we do do that. In church right now, there are many, many, many people who will make excuses um, for family, for relatives, for friends. We'll not tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth because we don't want to offend somebody. We won't tell the truth or we'll go ahead and we'll allow our kids um, to do certain things, to say certain things, or we won't say things that we know are wrong. We won't bring it to their attention because we don't want to cause them offense. We're more concerned with the familiar relations than we are the truth of God and staying and standing strong for God and not compromising. We cannot compromise. When we compromise, that polar bear breaks the wall down. When we compromise, those those claws, they start to get through. The, 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 The strong jaws and the sharp teeth, they start to make... They start to make some progress. We can't do that. We can't compromise. Here's what's happening. So now because you have people who are um, familiar uh, or uh, tied by family, they're they're more concerned with whatever relationships that they have instead of what is right in the eyes and the sight of God. Man, we can't do that. I'm not going to do it anymore. I don't want anybody uh, mad at me. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to offend people. Uh, it's not my intention. But on the other hand, um, I'm going to tell the truth in love to my family, uh, my, my you know my grandkids and my kids, my everybody. I, I just can't help it. But too many of us have allowed things in our homes for too long, and we've made excuses when our children and uh, our friends do things and, and we just make excuse for it. I, I see some of the things and heard some of the things that you guys um, uh, write on Facebook or some of the things that you are into and some of the teachings and some of the leanings that you guys have that are definitely not scriptural. Definitely not. Now, I, I don't call you all out on it and I'm hoping that me speaking in general terms will help you because if you're still into these you know, these geopolitical things, if you're still into these, uh, you know, um, culturally, uh, this cultural narrative that we're supposed to all ascribe to today, if you're into all of this, you're, you're missing it. 
you, you need to become born again. It's about time that you stood for what's right as it relates to God. Not what's right according to your family, your tradition, or this one, that one. You don't want to hurt this one's feelings. Or this one says this about that. That one says this about the other. Fool on it. Forget it. You, you can't have it both ways. God is God. His truth is the only truth. And you either choose to follow Him or you don't. My brothers and sisters, we can't afford to be the ones that are uh, the, the, the weak spots in the wall. We can't let someone else use us to be that weak spot in the wall. Can't have it. Can't do it. God is looking for His people to be those people who absolutely, positively say, one mind, one accord, we're going to show God strong. We're not going to, no no longer are we going to bring any kind of destruction, reproach to the kingdom. No more embarrassment to the kingdom. No more, you know, and no more excuses. Well, I can't be like Jesus. No, no more excuses. This is this this is teaching me something, and I hope it's teaching you something too. God is God. God has called us to a purpose. God has called us to His purpose. He's called these people to a purpose, and united they are accomplishing this purpose. So they mock and they criticize in chapter four. But they continue. Nehemiah, after he hears about the mocking and the continuing, oh, either fox is going to knock down the wall. He continues, he prays and goes after God and they continue to work on the wall. In in, uh, verse 6 it says, So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people, listen to this, for the people had a mind to, to, to do the work. Did you hear that? For the people had a mind to do the work. So here's what this is saying. So they had, they, they had already starting the wall they were already being criticized but they're still doing it and so now the wall is halfway up so that means the whole section is closed in the whole it's it's but it's only half high now the enemies are starting to get a little bit nervous you see so the wall is halfway up the people were in one mind they had the mind to do the work they did it now it happened in verse 7 when Samuel to buy the Arabs the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were being beginning to be closed, that they, they became very angry that all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Did you hear that? Create confusion. That's what the enemy of your soul and mind continues to try to do to us. It's his MO from the very beginning. And what he does is not to try to create confusion just to the extent that, well, is this right? Is that No, did God really say that? Is that really what the word of God means? Big part of it. Well, you know, this tradition says this, that tradition says that, uh, this preacher says this, that preacher says that. What should I believe? Here's what you believe. Here's what you believe. This is why you have to read and study. This is why you have to pray. This is why you have to get your face in here and listen and not just read a few chapters. You need to study this and you need to know this. I'm, I'm reading this and it's almost like I'm reading it for the very first time. The words are jumping at me. It's, it's gnawing at me. It's gnawing at my heart. i got to share this with you. My brothers and sisters, these people, the church, God's people were in one mind, one accord according to His will and they were, they were fulfilling the purpose of God. And the enemies weren't happy about it. They didn't back down. They became even stronger. They planned to attack them. And the word came to Nehemiah. 
So that's when they armed themselves. They kept lookouts and they had one hand doing the work. They had their sword strapped to them while they're doing the work. Not going to quit. Need to be armed. My brothers and sisters, we're armed. The Word of God. It's quick. It's alive. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. You have to be armed. This is your armament. You know what? Nehemiah also did something very... When this happened, the people started to get a little bit discouraged. The people became discouraged. They tried to create confusion. Verse 9, Nevertheless, we made our prayer to God, and because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. After this, the people are, are discouraged because you know they know that at any moment, they could be attacked from at, at any angle. And Nehemiah's were okay, if you're attacked here, you blow the horn, we'll rally this way. They're, they're prepared, but the, but the work continues. But now there's some complaints inside the camp. What happens is there's people, the nobles and the, the elders, the, the, the landowners or whatever, um, were holding uh, their own people um, you know, uh, in, in, for usury. There were actually there was a, a dearth in the land. There were famines and that people didn't have enough to eat. And so you know, uh, they were holding their own people. They would make their own people uh, you know, go into debt so that they could you know, eat and have some, some provision. Um, and when Nehemiah heard of this, he starts standing up for the people that are oppressed. How could you treat your brothers and sisters like this? Your own brother and sister. You're forcing them to, to sell their own daughters into slavery so they can afford to eat. And, and Nehemiah never took anything that he, that he should have as governor. There was no, there were provision that were made, there were taxes that were collected. He never took any of that. In fact, what he did was he took what he had and he started sharing it with other people. But he stood up for the people and he said, you can't do this to your own people. How could you do this to your own people? And you shouldn't be doing this. Now make sure everybody get, take care of each other. My brothers, same, same thing in the church. How, how in the world can we... Um, we, we have, I, I can't stand the, the little bickerings and the things that I hear uh, from time to time in the church, in my church, in my family. Um, around my family, in friends. I mean, I, I can't stand some of the little bickerings and the little things that we, you know, that we, we, we argue, we fight, we fuss over silly things. I can't stand the fact that we always think the worst uh, first of, of one another. If someone cuts their eyes uh, the wrong way or if someone says something that's a little bit difficult or someone's having a bad day, or, you know, we hold it against them. We, we're not going to talk to them or, you know, we're going to stay away from them and all that. That can't be in the church. It can't be. We have to take care of each other. We have to cut each other slack. We have to forgive each other, even when they don't ask. Even when they don't ask. Forgive them. You know what? Someone rubs you the wrong way, and it's really bothering you, go and just talk it out. That's it. And get rid of it. But do not hold grudges. And stop thinking the worst. Stop thinking bad of each other. Stop it. You know, could it be that we're just human? Maybe we had a bad day, and we didn't... we want to feel all sunshiny and lollipoppy, and it's got nothing to do with you? Could it be that I just don't feel good? And it had nothing to do with you. But there you go, walking off, thinking that, you know, you should have a, I have a grudge against you or something wrong. You see how he looked at me? You see her? He didn't say hello. Stop it. Just stop. Love each other. Cut each other slack. Take care of each other first. Period. That's it. That's it. 
Let God be God in your life. Let God have the rule in your heart. Love unconditionally. Amen? Not hard. Not hard. If you love God first, it's not hard. Hallelujah. So Nehemiah did that. Nehemiah brought them together. What does all that mean? That was God showing Himself strong. God had a purpose. God has a plan. I'm going to read to you out of Matthew chapter 5 verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall it saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Did you you hear that? A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. God has intention. God wants you to be noticed. No. God wants to be noticed in you. My brothers, my sisters, we are his city. We are set on a hill to bring him glory. We should look different. We should, God wants us to be noticeable. I, 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 we, we're supposed to be extraordinary. Period. That's it. You know how I know that? Because I'm smart. Now, extraordinary, beyond what is ordinary or usual, highly exceptional, remarkable. That's what you and I are called to be. Why? Because of God. Because God in us. Because God has called you and I to be a city on a hill that can't be hidden. If you're exceptional, remarkable, God is going to be noticed in you. Uh, It's not about, hey, look at me, look at Tony. It's not about that. It's what about Tony? It's what about Michelle? You know, what about Steve? What about, fill in the blank, whoever you are. What about you? Because, let me read further. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See that? That's ultimately what it's about. It's ultimately about giving glory to God in heaven, to my Father and yours. You're a city on a hill that can't be hidden. His purpose, His plan, His glory. And the only way that happens is if you're extraordinary, remarkable, unusual. So to my young people, why do you want to look like everybody else? Why are you working so hard to dress like they dress, to talk like they talk? To do the things that they do. My older people, why? Why is it that you uh, are so uh, intent on relating to certain traditions according to your people, your nationality, your whatever, your culture? Why? Why? No. You're here for God's purpose, for God's plan. You're here so that you're remarkable, unusual, extraordinary to bring glory to God. Not to bring glory to your people not to bring glory to your family, not to bring glory to yourself, but so that people notice there's something extraordinary and it's God. Amen? That's what this is about. 
I see this ministers to me. I hope it ministers to you as well. I hope this means something to you. I hope you can meditate on this and and read and study. You're a city on a hill that can't be hidden. Stop trying to be like them. Stop trying to look like them. Oh, and by the way, just like they suffered ridicule, just like they suffered uh, hate, you're going to. You will. But just like when they stood together, the wall went up, We stand together. We are the pillar and the ground of the truth. If God be for you, who could be against you? That's just not good sayings. That's truth. The truth is that God is for you. The truth is God is for you. The truth is He never will leave you or forsake you. The truth is you're more than a conqueror through Him who loves you. This is all true. But, Where are you standing? Are you extraordinary? Are you remarkable? Are you exceptional? Or are you just like everybody else? I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be exceptional. Not Tony exceptional. My God, my Father in Heaven exceptional. Amen? I hope you all feel the same way. And so let's pray. God... I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you so much for these people who have listened to this. And Father, I pray that um, you would continue to, to minister to us this message, this word. Holy Spirit, um, take it down deep. Let us, let us gain something. Let us, let us know that we know, Lord, that you're ministering to us now, even now. And as we continue to meditate on this, Lord, we get a depth of knowledge that deep cries unto deep. Lord, I pray for all of our family. Father, whether we're hurting physically, Father, battling virus, battling whatever it is that we're battling physically, Father, emotionally, Father, please, I pray that you would allow this stirring to happen. Allow, Father the truth to be ministered over and over. Father, allow it, to have, allow it to have an eternal relevance. Father, make it so real that, that we can't deny that, that you're working in us, that you're changing us. And Lord, help us to act on what it is that you've ministered to us. Lord, please, please. Father, help us to have forgiveness in our hearts for each other. Father, in Jesus' name, if we have any odds with anybody, if we're, have, if we're having any problems, Lord, please minister to our hearts and allow us, Lord, to give the freedom. Father, let us forgive. Please, Father, allow us to forgive. God, in the days ahead, I pray that you would, again, continue to minister your word to us. But Lord, in the days ahead, I pray that we would, each of us, look more like Jesus, that we will glorify you in our lives. We look less like the world and look more like you've called us to look. I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our soon-coming King. Amen and amen.